I'm the underdog with the heroic card. I'm Eric Jones Jr. I have to keep pushing for my kids. If I give up, what's that leave them with? Nothing. I have to understand that it's bigger than me. That it's not about me when I wake up and go to work. It's not about me when I'm reading and educate myself. It's not about me when I'm practicing my speeches. It's not about me. It's about my family. Hey, 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 you're now tuned in to Underdog Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Jones Jr., the underdog with the heroic heart, and I have conversations with successful underdogs. And today, all the way from New Jersey, I have Miss Jen Yu, and she is a BCBA social worker and a special needs mom. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Eric. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, no problem. And please... uh, Tell what the U stands for. I didn't want to jack it up. I I don't know why I've been having people with like tough names, but I definitely are not going to jack up your names. Yeah, and this is a tough one. So my last name is Jen Unangst. Or, well, that's my first and last name. Jen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we get into our conversation, let every know everybody know what a BCBA is. That is a really good question, actually, because people don't tend to know that. Um, A BCBA is a board certified behavior analyst. And the way I like to describe it is as a behavior scientist. So when you're working with students or um, adults, people of any age, really you want to see how behavior is impacted by the environment. So what can we do to manipulate the environment to either increase or decrease behavior Um, especially when we're looking at ineffective behavior, how do we um, manipulate the environment and use tools to help students learn and grow? Mm, I like that. You said you're a behavior scientist, but I like what you um, said about the environment because being a teacher and being working with special needs children for going on five years is definitely um, environment is definitely important to those children because if it's not the right environment or it's a new environment, their behavior changes. So that's that's how we're going to get into today's conversation. We're going to talk about uh, Jen has a course to help special need parents out, um, administrators, teachers, anyone that's working with special needs children or have a special needs child. Um, So I usually ask, how did it start? But obviously it started when you had your child. So <clears throat> how did that go for you having a special needs child and how was life at the beginning? So what's interesting is prior to becoming a BCBA, I was a social worker, um, which I, I still am. And I incorporate pieces of that into uh, my practice. But I had worked with students um, with autism, with other neurodiversities, with mental health um issues and, or diagnoses, I'm sorry, mental health diagnoses and academic learning. And so I was in the field and I, I really embraced and loved, loved my job, but I ended up staying home when I had kids. And then I had my son and I was like, you know, I really think that he needs some supports and services. And I, even at three took him, um, once he hit preschool, took him to be evaluated. And they were like, no, 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 nothing's going on. So then again at four, 
no, 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 nothing's going on. But he was showing signs. He had weak, um, weak pencil grasp. He had some meltdowns. He was bopping all over the place. So I, of course, being in the field, I was like, hmm, trying to look at different things. Like, does he have autism? Does he have ADHD? And fast forward until um, third grade. So I had that entire time. Every year, teachers were telling me, um, you know, he needs to be evaluated. He'd be evaluated. He would do great on the evaluations because he was being tested in a one-to-one situation and questions were being read to him. So with all of that, he did great. Um, He did not have a formal ADHD diagnosis at the time. um, But then finally in third grade, I ended up finding a doctor who did um, diagnose him with ADHD that combined with the teacher's input, they finally gave him an IEP. In the meantime, struggling with that, he was home having meltdowns. He was having a hard time focusing. Um, he has ocular motor dysfunction, which meant that his eyes weren't working um, at the same time. So he had to strengthen those muscles and he has visual processing disorder. So He's, it's very hard for him to, um, for example, look at something and then be able to look down at a paper and take notes. So it was, it was definitely a struggle and especially dealing with the special education school system was a nightmare. You know, definitely, definitely understand that. And for me, I knew, I knew the laws. I knew the rights and I knew the rights that I had and that my son had, and they were still giving me a hard time. And I was thinking to myself, this is absolutely awful. Um, And I was a BCBA in a school. So sitting on both sides of that table, every time I'm in the professional side, I'm always thinking, how do these parents on the other side of that table feel? Because I'm one of them. So through that, this course was born. Mm. All right. So I I applaud you because um, sometimes, you know, we we go to the doctors and they'll be like, oh, you know, nothing. No, not, nothing's wrong. And we'll be like, oh, OK. And we'll go back and we'll be like, oh, OK, whatever. But you were persistent every year until he was in third grade. I know like um, I work with younger kids, um, preschool, but then I worked in the elementary. So I definitely know how it is to be on the teaching side of special needs. And it's like, <clears throat> as being working there, like I can tell like when something's off about a kid, not like they're trouble kid, like, no, he he's something wrong with him. I can tell, I just, some, you know, I'm not a doctor or anything, but I can just, I can just tell. And sometimes parents, you know, they'll go and, they don't, uh, something's wrong with them, but I don't know. And then they'll tell them, oh, nothing's wrong. And then they get to school and then, oh, their behavior is bad or this and that. And then they're trying to say something's wrong with the kid. It's like, no, you guys missed the diagnosis of he has this or she has that. So I applaud you, first off, for just being persistent and wanting to get your child help. So that's kind of crazy, though, that you were in the field. You know, you working, you handling this. And then, boom, you have a kid, and it's like, hold on. Oh, okay. I see what's going on here. 
you know, and it's like you're already kind of prepared, but you're not prepared on the parent side of it because, you know, it's different having your own child dealing with their um, their issues, their problems, and then going to school and working with it because it's like, oh, okay, I get to go home. I'm good. But now it's like, okay, I go home and I got to deal with my son. So um, before we get into like <clears throat> what you do in the course and all that, because that's kind of what I want to talk about. Um, how was it um, being a parent of a special needs child? The reason I ask is because I wouldn't, I'm not special needs in the mental, but in the physical, I, I am. And I don't know if I ever, I think I asked my mom that, um, I did an interview on her, but how, how was that being a parent and dealing with that on your end? So I, I think that's a great question. And there were times that I, and we've all been there, gave in because it was easier. So I, again, being a professional, this was my field. Behavior is my field. So I knew what to do and I knew what I should be doing to help. But there were times that after being a single mom, working all day, coming home, and if my son was having a meltdown, there were times that I did give in because it was easier and I was tired. And so that, I think, impacted his behavior because the meltdowns lasted until I was like, okay, girl, what are you doing? Pull it together. You need to put the tools that you know how to use that I, you went to school for into play in your own home and, and help him. And so once I did that and really for lack of better words, pulled my head out of my butt, like it was so much smoother and it wasn't smooth all the time there were ups there were downs but you know being consistent and doing the same thing each time helped no matter how tired I was no matter how difficult the situation was but I had to keep thinking that I wasn't doing him any justice if I let his um, behaviors continue so I really wanted to make sure that I set him up for success in his life. And sometimes mm, that's I, hard, you know? Yeah. I, I love that you were honest with that because as parent, like people uh, look at someone else and says, well, if I was in that situation, uh, you're not in that situation. So you wouldn't know what to do. And like you were honest, hey, I gave in. I was tired sometimes. Like, uh, I'm like, you know, I know all this stuff. I go to school. I work. I, this is what I'm supposed to but I think sometimes uh, experience outweighs the knowledge, like like the book smarts of a person, like going through the experience of actually having a child. Now you really know what it feels like to be a parent. Now you know what it's like to have to deal with going to work, coming home, dealing with a child. And it's not necessarily their fault why they're behaving that way um, per se. And then, you know, you have to, um, like you said, uh, get your head out your butt like, hey, I, I, I got to get it together because guess what? This kid depends on me no matter what's going on in the world, no matter, you know, how people look at me, what job, whatever title. When you go home, your child depends on you. And it was like, OK, let me get it together. I know what to do. I know I'm tired, but ah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get it together. So with that, you, you know, you go through, you got your own experience. You got the parent part. You got the teaching part. And you create a course. And how how did that come about? Was it something in the works you just been working on? 
or it was like, all right, I need to do something to help these people. How did, how did that go? Like starting it off before, you know, it got to where it's at. So that, I mean, it, it, you hit the nail on the head. What it was, was that I watched so many parents struggle and go through the same things that I was going through and not be aware of the services or supports that their child was entitled to um, and struggle at home behaviorally. And I really wanted to do something about it. So through that, the course was born, um, but it did, it took a little while to put together and to get out there. So it's been a, it's been a process, but I got to the point where I wanted to see how many people I could help through a course or something uh, virtually, globally, so that I can reach as many people as possible so that they weren't struggling like I was. I understand. And that, and, and like I, I think it's kind of like what I said, like the experience, I, I don't know if you might have still came up with it, but you got to see both sides and what you said, you wanted parents to be aware of the resources that they have. A lot of times people are unaware of resources that can help them out when it comes to special needs, when it comes to your kids in school, anything really in life, there's resources out there. It's just being unaware. It's kind of like for me, I'm um, 30, about to be 36 in a month. And like my mom and them growing up, they didn't have all the resources. So it's like, they could only do so much and they might've struggled or this, that, and the third, but it's cause they didn't know the resources. And uh, that's good that you know what's going on because you were persistent with your child. Like, Hey, we're going to keep going. We're going to see what's going on. But then you work there. And so, you know, the resources. So um, what is the course? Tell us a little bit about the course. You don't got to go into depth, give everybody all the information, but what is the course? What is it there for? And how does it help? And who does it help? So the course is um, it's 13 modules and it is, it begins with basically demystifying the special education school system. So there's a lot of terms that um, I've talked to other parents and um, friends with kids with special needs and they all said the same thing. In the beginning, when you sit at a meeting, you don't even know some of the terms. They're throwing all these words at you, you know, LLD, IEP, 504, CST, and nobody really knows what that means. So my course starts there. The modules start with um, common terms and then goes through things like, for example, what to ask the school district if you're moving into the area before you move, because that's a huge piece for parents with special needs um, children also. And then it talks about rights and what behavioral techniques schools use. And then the second module goes into how you can bring those behavior techniques into your home. Um, it also has tons of downloadables and takeaways. So all the stuff that I talk about in the course, parents can um, download and print out. Primarily the course is geared towards parents, but as far as behavior modifications and um, best practices in ABA or um, behavior interventions, 
um, teachers, paraprofessionals, anyone could use those techniques. I love it because with me working um, with special needs, when I first started, I didn't know none of the terms either. I'm like, okay, what are y'all talking about? Like y'all talking a whole foreign language, IUP. What what is what are you talking? ABA. What in the world? What is yep. this stuff now? Being in the um, being in the field, and you know, we have to go to professional development. All these different stuff. It's kind of boring, but uh, it's informational, and you get to learn different things. Like I learned so much about autism by um, the different workshops we had to go through and it, it made sense. So when I work with an autism kid and somebody doesn't, it's kind of like they thinking, oh, something, you know, his behavior, no, it's, nothing's necessarily wrong. He can't get out what he wants to tell us. So this is how he communicates. And it's like, and it definitely helps knowing terms and knowing different things to help the parents that don't know because he's very young, the kid in my class. And it's like, I can help them because I know these terms. I don't know all the, you know, the rights and different things, but I know certain stuff just by working with people. And then you said uh, behavior uh, in the schools. I think that is very important uh, for anybody to understand. Like it's very challenging to work with special needs kids. So you have to be very patient when it comes to that because some of the behaviors that we deal with is is challenging. It's, it can be frustrating, but if you don't have the patience to understand or get the the knowledge, then it'll be definitely hard on you. And you said you got the down the downloadables. You got the um, you can print out stuff. It's stuff that people can use at home. It's mainly for parents, but also for people that work in schools. Because it's it could be someone like me, someone young you know, in the field, don't know nothing about it. Let me, let me go look at this. Oh, okay. This helps me out because the more information, you know, when you work with special needs, I think uh, it benefits you um, in the long haul. So what is your course called? We didn't, we never said the name or anything of that sort. How about that? I never even told you what the name was. Um, so the course is called Parent to Prep. Um, and that would have also helped with saying it's, it is designed again for parents um, also for parents who may not be sure whether or not um, they need to keep pursuing either a diagnosis or more interventions, it goes through a little bit about um, what the most common um, neurodiversities may look like and, and really where to begin. I, I, I love it. Um, so with you being in the school uh, with with you having a course, did you design it? Like, was it, is it for school or is it something you did outside of school, but then you brought to the school? So to be perfectly honest, some schools, this is something I did on my own outside of the school. And um, sometimes schools don't really smile upon these things because there are times that, and not because of any faults of their own, but budget constraints, staffing constraints, they are not always able to fulfill all of the um, rights or all of the services that may be required. So there may be times in some districts where they're not as forthcoming. That oh, yes. trust me, I know. Trust me, I know. So I remember... Um, 
when I first kind of I, I started like speaking and doing all the motivational things as um, I started this new job working with in special education. So I, but the gen ed kids, like if they had behaviors, teachers would send them to me and I had a, a mentor program outside of the school. So I'm like, oh, you know, how can I do this program in the school? And it was a whole lot to it. Like I had to basically come up with like a curriculum type thing, like all this different stuff, because it's like, because the principal knew me outside of, you know, the school. So she was like, this is what you're going to have to do because we got to present it to X, Y, and Z and they're going to look at it. And so it, I definitely understand uh, coming up with a program and then presenting it to the school and all the schools, not necessarily like something's wrong with the program is, you know, they can't necessarily maybe fund it. They can't can't put it in there or whatever the case may be. So I definitely understand that. But I think a lot of the times when when someone works in the school and like you have the experience outside because you're a parent, but or you just whatever you're doing, I think schools should be more open to it because it's people wanting to help the school more so than. Uh, just come up with a program. Oh, I've made this program. I want to get paid. No, it's to help whoever, you know, the audience is. And sometimes that doesn't work out. So um, do you have it in schools? Like how did, how, how did that go when you approached the schools? Like, Hey, I got this program, you know, blah, 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 blah. Was it like, no, 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 no. Or was it like, okay, we like it. We'll see what, you know, how did it go? How did the, yes, no, go when you presented it to the schools or even just to your school? So um, I, because this is, so my business is Jennifer Bennett Consulting. And because that is not affiliated with my school. And so for the district that I'm in, I could not, and I cannot work with any of, of those individuals or market it there. Um, and I, and so the other schools, I find primarily the people um, in the course are parents or educators who want to learn more on their own. So I am finding a lot of districts are saying, oh, great idea, but no, thank you. Um, and also speaking to your point, so I also do advocacy. I do parent advocacy um, and I do behavior coaching all virtually. So I work with people from all over the United States. Um, I have not branched out to any other countries yet. But I have found in more schools than not, which was so refreshing to me as an advocate when I went in, um, and this actually just happened this week, the school said to the mom, you know, who was at the meeting, we're all a team and we want you to know that your um, input has value and meaning to us. And I was blown away. I was like, that is amazing because you don't hear that as often. Um, I have heard it recently a handful of times in the districts that I've been in. And I just thought that was incredible. There have been other districts that are, nope, this is what we're doing. Um, these are our recommendations. This is what we think is going to happen. If you don't like it, then you're going to have to pursue you know, taking us to court or whatnot. So I think with this course, again, I find my audience is either parents or um, teachers who want to learn more, not schools so much. <laughs> and yeah, I, and I can see that in being in the school system, like, it's totally different 
like being a parent, sending your kid to school, maybe you go volunteer, whatever, you go on field trips, but actually working in a school and you see kind of sometimes the BS that goes on. And it's not necessarily one or two person's fault. It's just the system of the school system yeah. that's been going on and different things of that sort. Because for me, and it's kind of it's on school topic, but off topic of special needs. So uh, being a black man and when they're talking about racism, they will have a white guy. And I'm like, right. how, how, how can he talk about racism and right. he's never dealt with it. And it would be like, it was so weird to me, like certain professional development is like, you have these people in here and they're coming in and me, I'm learning speaking and I'm learning about professional. I was like, I need to really get on my stuff because I can present what these teachers need in a different way because I'm going to come in, I'm going to be fun and all these different things. And sometimes it's just about the presenter. It's about, okay. Absolutely. You're, you're a parent. So parents are going to be like, oh, you're a parent of it? Oh, let me hear. I, I want to know what you got to say. But I love what you said um, about them saying input, the input that the parent had was valuable to them and they wanted to listen because sometimes people don't want to listen. And I think if school systems listen, if they actually, you know, took took what the parents said or took guardians or whoever's handling these students every day, uh, if they actually listen, it would be a better school system. We'd be able to figure out how to actually help students um, besides trying to teach them uh, the stuff that's in school that really doesn't help them in the long run. So I, I, I love that you're able to connect with parents because all it took was one parent. One parent to be like, all right, I'm tired of this crap. You know, let's figure out something that can help, you know, the other parents. Because when you're going through school, sometimes it takes, you know, being in a parent, uh, what's it called? Uh, the little parent group that all the parents go to oh, and PTA. all that stuff. PTA. Yeah, my, my son, his mom's, I think she's a president or vice president. And it's like, it's good to have parents that's involved and want to be involved because, you could say this is your first time in a different district. You went to that meeting and you spoke and they're like, oh, you're a parent too? Oh, okay, let's let's talk to you. Because it could be where the parents like, hey, we need her in the school. We need that course because it's very helpful and it's going to help other people. And that, that's what I think that's what it's going to take for people to understand what you're doing and how it's helping people rather than the school system because, you know, it – you got to go down a whole list of people. To, uh, they got to vote on different things. It's so much extra stuff. Yeah, a lot of politics, a lot of red tape, a lot of hoops, you know, in those cases. Um, I do love your point when you said like the parents. And when I use the word parents, I mean parents or guardians or I don't feel that somebody needs to to either give birth or be blood to be a parent. So I use that word, um, but I mean parents or guardians or anybody who is is raising a child. Um, my biggest thing is they know their child better than anyone else, and they have to trust their gut and and advocate themselves for what they think that child needs. And that's like just what you had said is that they're with them the most. You know, those are the people that know those children in and out and they should have the most input definitely that's like uh 
So I have a, a kid in my class. He's all. They didn't really know. Now they know. Now they, you know, taking them to the doctor and all those different things. And when, uh, so he watches, I give him the tablet and he watches YouTube. But he, you know, and when, if you know, if anybody listening or, you know, you know anything about an autistic kid, they're not watching what typical normal kids are watching. They're watching different stuff that stimulate their mind. So he'd be watching something. I'm listening and, um, or I would go look and see. And I noticed when he watched something, I don't even know what it's called, but it, whatever it was, it would make some noise and he would just get hyped. He'd come up and he's laughing, he's pushing, he's, you know, just all this stuff. And I'm like, hey, dad, what, what what's going on? When he, he's like, oh, no, no, don't let him watch that. I don't know what it is, but at home he does the same thing. And he was like, I'm going to give you a list of the stuff that we let him watch that he'll watch, and, you know, that'll keep him occupied or, you know, keep him from doing whatever he does. And I was like, thank you, because I'm like, I don't know what it is, but whenever he watches this, dad, and he's like, yeah, I know. Or like um, now he does this thing where when we're transitioning to lunch or the gym or wherever we're going and he's doing something, I'm like, come on, man, let's go. No. And he'll sit there. And I'm like, dad, what do you do? And he's like, it's a little different at home because it's only him and his he has a baby sister. So he's like, uh it's a little different at home. So I'm like, okay, let me figure out a way here. But I always ask the parents, like, what are you doing at home? What What's helping even at the other school I was at? Because like we were just saying, the parents know the child more than anybody. Even if the ch- parents don't know the diagnosis that well, they don't know that information. They know their child. So they know when their child's doing A, B, or C, this is what will calm them down, or this is what we do at Absolutely. home. It's like, oh, thank. I'm like, thank you, because I'm like, I don't know what's going on with him. And then when you have one autistic kid and the rest of them, they kind of don't even, you know, the, the students, they don't understand. And I'm like, hey, he gets to do this. Don't even worry about it. You know, it's hard to explain to other kids. Well, he gets to play, and we got to do work. I know, I understand. But this is, you know, me talking to their parent lets me know what I need to do with him while I'm doing whatever with the other kids. So parents don't just, um, don't just like go through the motions, find out information. Um, we'll definitely have information. We're not ending or anything, but we'll have, she'll have information how you can reach out to her, talk to her, but find out information on whatever the diagnosis is. If you have a special needs child, because it'll help, it'll benefit them in the long run. But sometimes kids with special needs, it don't last that long. I mean, that that diagnosis lasts their life, but that certain issue that maybe when they were in second grade, third grade, isn't happening when they're in middle school. So right. if you go and do the research, you'll benefit your child. Because I'm sure, I, I'm sure you didn't done hours and hours and hours on research. Um, so with creating the course. Was it, do you think it was beneficial um, being a parent and having the experience or was it the research and the knowledge? So I think that it's a combination of both. And I think that, I think that you can learn everything that you need to learn in a book, but until you put it into practice, then you really haven't learned everything you need to learn. So um, like you were saying earlier, sometimes it doesn't matter, you know, how much 
schooling you have or how much education you have in a certain area. But until you are walking the walk, then it's hard to like talk the talk. So I think that the, my experience in working prior to having my son was helpful, but I also don't know that I saw it from a parent's lens, you know, and I think my education was helpful because it, it really taught me how to, um, to do different techniques and things like that. But also, um, I'm ever evolving and I still continue to take, you know, courses and, um, ways to better myself. And, um, one of the BCBA D's, so he's a doctorate of, um, of behavior says that a child should be happy, relaxed, and engaged. And the whole philosophy behind it is compassion over compliance. And I think that I wouldn't have learned that in school. Um, I did practice that with my son, but I didn't have a name to it until I kept continuing my education and um, taking courses to make sure that I was doing the best I could for students and parents. And then I think you add the layer of being a parent on top of that. And when I'm working with students, I mean, primarily the students that I work with are pre-K up through sixth grade. So um, sometimes middle school, but primarily the younger kids. And being a parent, I put myself in other parents' shoes. So when I'm implementing like a behavior technique or I'm working with a student, I make sure that is this something that I would want someone else, like, is this how I would want someone interacting with my child? And I think that puts a huge spin on things that when you are, and I am not saying by any means that people who aren't parents aren't good educators or behaviorists or social workers or paraprofessionals or whomever's in the field. But for me personally, it just drove home deeper what I was already practicing. Mm. That what you just said uh, and putting yourself in other parents' shoes, that that definitely, I'm sure that definitely helps because like you said, you're like, hmm, would I want someone doing this with my child or do I think this is beneficial? And being an educator, teacher, um, you, I think it benefits when you are a parent because it's, it's just parent moments or you understand as a parent, like, okay, this, yeah, you, you all right. Like ain't nothing really wrong. You, you know, right. whatever the case, because especially with me, um, like with my kids they're, they're like, I have a kid, he likes to hit. So somebody will hit him back and he's, Whoop! if you don't, if you don't stop, sir, like, please, like I go into dad, I know, I know at certain times I have to go into dad mode on my class and I can tell they look at me like, oh, he ain't playing. Like, oh, let me calm down. Like one kid, he'll just be staring. He know the class didn't disappointed me. He just be looking at me all sad. And it's like, I under, you know, it helps being a parent and understanding or just certain things could happen. A child get injured or whatever. Something happens at school. As a parent, you're immediately like, oh, okay, I, this is what I, you know, you kind of know what to do. And nothing, because I know some great, great teachers that aren't parents, but I think it, it plays a role in patience. Because when you're a parent, you got to have patience. Yeah. 
Oh, and yeah. when you and you don't have kids or you're just a cool auntie, you send them kids back home. But when you're a parent and then you're a teacher, you kind of know, like, all right, I, whoo, because my, listen, I, I don't know why, what made me sign up, why God said, hey, I'm going to need you to go over there to the preschool because these little jokers, I'm like, oh my goodness, like, it's, it's, it's like being a parent and then coming home and being a parent to my son and stuff. And it's like, and my son, he, he'd be like, hey, man, he told me I was talking to him while we were outside. He's like, hey, man, your class is pretty bad. I was like, nah. I was like, and it's just being a parent, I kind of I understand where he's coming from. But then it's like they're young. I kind of get it. And it and it helps in the long run. Um, definitely being a parent or just like you said, sometimes like when you're dealing with something or a parent might come up and ask me a question. I got to think, OK, if I uh, put on my parent hat. Okay, I get where they're coming from because I remember, and not to get long with it, with it, but I remember um, it was a parent, and it was their child that just came to my class or whatever, and I remember, and she talks like, you know, look, I don't know what I, I thought I wanted a da- little daughter, like my daughter isn't my biological, so I never seen her when she was little. So girls talk a lot, so she's talking, she's talking, and they talk when you're talking to somebody else. And I think I, whatever I said, I didn't say nothing wrong. I might've said how I said it, she took it wrong. And her dad came and he talked to me and I didn't get like, my chest didn't get big or anything. It was like, okay, he's a dad. I get it. I get where he's coming from. All right, boom. So when she, when she uh, would do it again, I was like, okay, you can't, you know, treat her like you would your daughter. All right, hey, listen, you need to go sit down raise your hand, say, excuse me, those different things. And then when I talked to mom, mom was like, oh, yeah, she talk a lot. So I already know, you know, so it's like I got to see both parents and I understood from a parent's perspective where the dad was coming from. Because if I wasn't a parent, I'd have been like, oh, bro, trying to come up and, you know, he's trying to trying to check me or whatever. No, he's just being a, a parent. And I was like, okay, I get it. And that's one thing that I'm hearing throughout the whole thing with you. And that's why it's called Parents of Prep because you're able to not just take the knowledge you got from your schooling, but take the knowledge from the experience being a parent, like, hmm, I don't know if that's gonna work. So how old is your son now? My son is 12, about to be 13 in April. Oh, okay, so we both got April babies. Um, So how is, since, not to get off track of anything, but how has he been since, like you found out the diagnosis, you start doing things different, and then you come up with this course, and now he's basically almost a teenager. How has he been through the whole process? So I have to say that despite the very rocky road in the beginning with the school district, um, he is really thriving right now. He is, now he's old enough, he knows that he has ADHD, and so do I. So we talk about it as a superpower. And sometimes we can really get focused in on the things that are very interesting to us. And other times we cannot pay a lick of attention to things that are not meaningful. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and with forgetting things and like organization skills. So once the school put supports in place for him, um, it made a world of difference I think to how he felt about himself in school because he wasn't doing well. Now he's doing well. Um, He has gotten over the meltdowns, thankfully, but that again 
Um, and I do talk about, I do talk about him a lot in my course. I also have a daughter who's 14, so I don't want to neglect her, but um, <laughs> <laughs> she's not special needs. And, but in my course, I talk about even things simple when I would say, like, calm down. He wouldn't know what that meant. So I had to really break that down. So after the district, after applying the techniques, after being consistent, I mean, it is not to say that um, anything is perfect. I don't even strive for perfect. I just strive for like, let's just do our best. Um, it's He's really, really doing well. That is good. Um, I, I, I don't know why this question came because, um, so like with ADHD, is there, cause I feel like as an adult, I feel like throughout life, some of us have it, but not as severely, like I've seen it, like I had a nephew kind of have it as he got older, you know, it went away. I have some, I had two girl students, but they ended up moving. So I've seen, seen it in action. But then I feel like sometimes as an adult, or me personally, like I have a short, uh, short attention span when it comes to reading or watching TV, like movies. Like when it comes to watching movies, I'm like, okay, yep, um, this isn't it. I'll go to sleep, whatever the case may be. So is there different um, stages or types of ADHD or is it all one thing and no. sometimes we just don't notice? No, absolutely. And that is a really good question. No, you know, ADHD, like I know when we talk about autism, we talk about being on the autism spectrum, but ADHD has a spectrum as well. So you have ADHD, you'll have ADHD inattentive, where maybe someone is, has more trouble focusing or paying attention or organizing. Um, and then you have ADHD hyperactivity, so then you have a person who may be attentive and able to focus, but has a really hard time um, controlling their body or, you know, being hyper is, is for lack of better words. And then you have a combined type. So you could have someone who has the inattentive piece and the hyperactivity piece. And mm. within even those three, there's different levels. So some people have ADHD um, and the symptoms impact them more throughout their daily life than others. Um, so for somebody like me, I have the inattentive piece. I'm, I'm not hyper by any means, but I um, could lose focus or, you know, with time management or um, being organized. So I have to put extra supports in place for myself so that I can do all of those things so I can stay on task. So I make sure I get my work done and, and things like that for my son, he has the combined type. So with him, he is, he's not far into the spectrum of ADHD. So he's bouncy. He'll shake his leg. He's always got his fingers in his mouth. He's biting his nails. He's bouncing. He's got the hyperactivity piece. He also has the inattentive piece, um, but it's manageable. He's not a behavior problem at school. So again, that went with the why are they not helping him because he wasn't causing anybody any trouble. So they were just like, oh, he's fine. Um, which is another thing to note with ADHD is that sometimes it goes undetected because 
there isn't enough of, quote, a problem, unquote, in school. And so teachers let, they accidentally fall through the cracks because they're not picking up on the fact that um, a child has ADHD. So to answer your question, there is a lot of different aspects of ADHD as well. Glad I asked that because I, 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 I'm sure I got some parts of it because I'm the same way when it comes to organization. Like I can be hype at times. So, uh, and it's funny that you say um, they didn't see enough problems. And I think um, for like at our school, a lot of us came from working with behavior or special needs. So like this year, like, so it's my friend, this is her school. And it's been a year since she started. And it's like, since I started, it's like, I burned all the kids that had special needs. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, I uh, I can't think of what, but it's, it's part of ADHD, but it's the behavioral side. It's something else. It's, it's more to it. I, I didn't hear you say it, but I had a girl that had ADHD. She had something where she was, be, like, her behavior, she couldn't control it. It'd be like, she would hit somebody, but it wasn't like she was hitting them in a harmful way necessarily. It was like she was being playful or whatever. I can't remember what it's called, but I had two girls like that. One girl was like super hype. She was loud. She was the life of the party. But then Mr. Eric, she hit me. Oh, wait a minute. And she, I remember she hit somebody or she hurt somebody. And it was like, she didn't even understand what was going on. And like, someone that doesn't know these things they're like oh she's a behavioral problem we got to get her out of here da, da, da. it's like no something's wrong with her and she can't control it and i was that's why i was asking her i can't i would wish I, i'll inbox you once i figure out what it is i'll ask them tomorrow but it was more um the behavior part of it and it's like when those things happen or someone has that they can't really control it like um, like when I, I see a kid, he's very hype. It's like, as soon as his feet hit the ground, phew, 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 phew. It's like, hey, dude, you, you sit down, sir. Sit down. Because it's like they don't, in their brain, they're just moving. And then somebody could be in the way. They knock them over. They don't, they, you know, they're in their own zone. And it's kind of like a almost a kid with autism. When they're going through their um, whatever situation at the moment, it's they're in their own zone. They don't even notice things around them. And I remember you saying you had to um, tell your son, calm down, and you got to explain it in a way that he can understand it. Because when my student, when he's, you know, going through a situation, he's hype or he's crying, he's falling out. I'm like, hey, I just hold him close to me. Hey, calm down. What's wrong? You know, and he's like, oh, then he, he he understands like, okay, all right, this is, you know, okay, you know, that's how you figure out the situation. But that's why I wanted to ask, because I feel like when I was a kid, a lot of people that might have had it and it not be that high, they instantly put them on medicine. They instantly did this. They instantly did that. And then they kind of like, oh, let's put them in a special class. It's like, oh, I don't really think he needed to be in that class. Maybe he just needed some help or he needed a course or he needed the resources. His parents needed the resources to, you know, help him or her get to wherever they needed to. So uh, I, I usually ask three tips. I'm trying to think what what three tips would a parent with a child with special needs, um, not necessarily someone that's 
just finding out, but someone that's going through the motions, going through um, just life with a special needs child, what are some three tips that you can give them that they can um, apply to their life right now that can help them maybe help change their situation, help them get some more information or whatever the case may be? So the, um, so from a behavioral standpoint, one of the best things that you can do for your child and teachers can do this also is use positive reinforcement. So that means adding something into the environment in hopes that a behavior that you want to see will occur again. So for example, um, I want my son to clean his room. So he cleans his room and then I say, oh my goodness, you did such a great job cleaning your room. Here's five bucks. Um, And it's not bribery because I'm not saying I'll give you five bucks if you clean your room. It's something that you add into the environment after. So even if you see them doing something, I love how nicely you used your manners. You can have two more minutes on your iPad tonight or things like that. You get to read with with mommy or daddy or grandma, whoever. Um, You did such a nice job, you know, cleaning up after yourself. So using the positive reinforcement and really focusing on the behaviors that you want to see and giving those behaviors the attention, giving those behaviors the praise and the support really helps the chances that those behaviors are going to continue rather than them showing ineffective behaviors. Um, The other thing that they can do, so for parents of kids who are younger than um, preschool age, because once you turn three, well, here's actually, let me backtrack. So once you turn three, if you are a a child with um, special needs or maybe you need supports, you can call your local school district and they'll evaluate them to see if they can go to preschool for free. Um, And in that aspect, they would have an IEP, they would get evaluated um, for academics, for speech, for occupational therapy, for physical therapy, and then they can begin preschool at three years old. Mm -hmm. Um, Prior to preschool, early intervention is huge. And in my course, I give the ways to um, contact early intervention um, in the area closest to you. And if you can even Google like early intervention services, but that is from 18 months up until right before their, right up till their third birthday. And those services either can go to your home or you can go to a center, but research shows that the earlier supports and um, interventions and learning takes place, the more successful outcome for the child. So early intervention is huge. Um, Positive reinforcement is huge. And then the other one for parents is look up IDEA, I-D-E-A. It's the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. And within that, so those are all the educational rights and your child's rights. And then within that, there's FERPA and which entitles your child to a free and appropriate education. And it lays out a bunch of of laws and rules. Um, There is a website, it's PRIZE, and that will talk about it in parent-friendly terms. Because if you go to IDEA, um, it may be a little 
jargony. You may have a lot of technicalities and a lot of wording in there, but there are websites out there you could Google to um, look at all the different laws and you can apply those right away. I love it. What I really love, you kind of like helped me out with the positive reinforcement um, thing. Cause I remember, uh, cause I'm new to the preschool area uh, teaching and a, a teacher, um, you know, she's like, yeah, you got to add that. And you said, focus on the behaviors you want to see that really helped. Cause I'm like, yeah, I got to focus that, that I got to go and figure out something. Cause it's like, <clears throat> when you have kids that kind of new to school, you know, it's, it's hard for them to, to do the things that you want them to do. If you only tell them everything, if you reinforce when they did something positive. So that's something that um, definitely I can use for myself. And then you said early intervention, um, you can call your local district to figure out, and then you have to do that before three, because once they're three, things change. And then you said, look up idea, and uh, that'll be helpful with finding out information for your rights. And I love that because that that does like that helps everybody that's in the educational field that's listening, that'll tune in. Um, so, what is? Oh wait, before we get into that, I have to do. The sponsor for uh, today's show is ChristianDewan.com. Positive energy through your clothes. If you use the promo code Underdog Talk, and it's dog is spelled D-A-W-G, you can get fifteen percent off. Uh, we have a fashion show that we're in um, on the twenty-third of April, so we have a lot of new um, merchandise coming out. It will be out probably the week of that. Um, but again, check it out. Go to the website, ChristianDewan.com. That's me and my son's clothing line. And use the promo code Underdog Talk, and you get 15% off. So before we get out of here and you tell people how they can reach you and things, I need an underdog quote. Um, it could be for parents. It could be for administrators. It could be for anyone in the school system. But give us something that they can take away and feel good about after listening to this episode. So this is a piece of my philosophy and it's something that anybody in any situation and anywhere um, could apply. And it's about the bumblebee. So aerodynamically, the bumblebee shouldn't be able to fly, but the bumblebee doesn't know it should fly or it shouldn't fly. So there it goes flying on away. And I think it's so important because we, we don't want to put limits on anyone's ability. We don't want to say what we can't do. We just want to keep focusing on the positive um, and encouraging students, teachers, paraprofessionals, parents to just keep going. Don't listen to the can'ts or shouldn'ts or won'ts and believe it and you can do it. I love it. I love it. And thank you for shouting out the para professionals. I think that, yeah, because that's what I was. The people that don't have the degrees, the people that are the assistants that's helping, that's doing a lot of the work um, that doesn't get seen because they're not a teacher or they don't have, you know, the credentials, but they are the ones that put in the work. Trust me. I was the one every single day putting in work, not saying nobody else didn't, but people forget about the little people per se. Right. So thank you. 
Thank you for shouting them out because they're just important as the teacher. A thousand percent. Paraprofessionals are the world. They are priceless and I applaud every single one of them. And if anybody's listening, um, that can help them get paid more because they don't, we don't, they, they don't get paid enough. They definitely don't for the work that is put in not enough pay. Um, how can people reach Jen Yu? I'm not even going to try to uh, mess that up again, but, uh, how can they reach you? How can they get in touch with you? Um, how can they see what you're doing? Let them know. So you can go to jenniferbennett.com and that's my website and it talks about there's my course advocacy um, or behavior consulting. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at Jennifer Benna and those are the places that you can find me or my email is Jen at Jennifer Benna. And all, and all the links will be on the show. And thank you so much for this information. Thank you for the conversation because it's good to be able to talk to someone in the field, talk to a parent, someone that I haven't had to work with or anything of that sort, and just know there's people out there um, willing to fix what's going on in the school system when it comes to special needs children, special needs parents, and just people working with special needs. So. Again, I applaud you. I wish I, I, one day soon I'm going to have the little machine where I had a clapping hands, the mic drop, the boom, and all that so I can do those things. But just kudos to you for um, stepping up and not just being a, a great parent to your child, but being able to help other parents be a great parent to their child that have special needs. That's so sweet. Thank you so much. I, I thought this was amazing, and I was so happy to be able to come, and I appreciate you having me on. And kudos right back to you for all that you do. Thank you so much. And on that note, peace, one love.